I didn't realize how uh, how much we had to say about I this. I was like, oh, we'll just like touch on our hometowns briefly and then keep it moving. Didn't know that I was going to talk about Young Life. Didn't know this was going to be a Young Life diss track, but here you go. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> I, I do not care. Hello, and welcome back to Under Our Roof. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Grace. Welcome to our podcast about living the simple gay old life at home. We're so happy to have you with us. This morning is when we are recording it, but if you're listening to us in the afternoon or the evening... Or the middle of the night. Or the middle of the night. I love (laughs) that. If you are just sort of letting us join you in your insomnia trip, then we're happy to be with you. Yeah. And today... The title of our episode, as you've probably seen on your screen, is Hometown Homos, and we want to start off by explaining that a little bit. So we are going to do a little bit of a catch-up, and we're going to ease into this topic, but the idea for today's topic is that we wanted to talk about where people are from and what it was like in their hometowns growing up. I always think it's fascinating hearing about all the different places in this world where people hail from and what it was like growing up there and For those of us that are queer, what it was like coming out there if you did come out there. But as a disclaimer, we welcome and want to hear stories and are including stories from people on all parts of the LGBTQ plus community. But hometown homos just is alliterative. It just sounded better. It just sounds good. It's just a little catchier. Not everyone. If I'm scrolling through the Apple podcast store and Mm -hmm. I see hometown homos, I'm like, well, what are these? What are these two people talking about (laughs) over here? I want to be in on on the homo fest. (laughs) The homo homo is just kind of fun at this point. I feel like we've reclaimed it. Oh, definitely. It's fun because I think that when I say it to around like cis straight people, they are very much like, is that okay? <laughs> like, because I'm like, yeah, you know me, just a homosexual, and they'll be like, oh god, and I'm like, yeah, it was, it was really charged for a while, wasn't it? I didn't like being called it, but now I can call myself that, and I think it's quirky. I know. I remember one of my good friends in law school when we first met, and he's also gay, and he said something about like, yeah, us mos, and I was like, sorry, and he was like, yeah, mos. Like we're we're all mos, we're homos, and I and that's actually like a common phrase. Now I know that, but at the time, for I had never heard that for some reason. No one's I, ever said that to me before, but it's cute. Here's hoping. Yeah. Here's hoping it. Can but happen. we know that not everyone out there is a homo, and exactly. that's great. Actually, we we love it all. We- <laughs> just sounded like the wine moms being like if you're if you are a homosexual i mean i don't care you be anything you want well it's funny that you're doing that accent because I'm sorry. it's a little bit it's of what a i revert to raleigh accent which is where My i'm apologies. from and we are going to get into that but I'm just told on you yeah should we catch up a little bit about what's been going on under our roof and actually that could help explain why we had the idea for this episode too We've been on lockdown Mm -hmm. again, which is good. It's important to stay safe. And when you hunker down a lot of the time, you start watching shows and movies and films. And Hulu, most recently, I think, has been there for us. They were there for us with Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And they were there for us again with Happiest Season, which they rolled out a week ago. Uh, right before Thanksgiving. Feels like forever. Yeah. It feels like this has been in my life 
my entire Was that life. last week? Wow. I think it was, yeah. So they rolled out this movie called Happiest Season, and if you don't know anything about it, it is a holiday movie starring Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis, and it centers them as a couple. We're going home to Mackenzie Davis's family, and we learn, um, this is all in the trailer, so there's no spoilers, but we learn um, on the drive that Mackenzie Davis is not actually out to her family. So Kristen Stewart, her girlfriend, who was actually thinking of spending the rest of her life with her, has to go back in the closet and is, and I'm, I, this is also in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, is just introduced to her family as her orphan friend who is not gay and hijinks ensue. So we watched it. We've talked about it. We're not going to include any spoilers here just in case you haven't. But we had complicated feelings about this movie, although we love the representation, the visibility. And we love that this was apparently like the most trafficked movie on Hulu in like the history of Hulu, like straight movies. I saw something. To Hulu. So yeah, we I love that. Like There's that. a lot here to love. You know, I talk about a net good. Mm-hmm. I think that this was absolutely a net good. Could I have made some notes? If they'd run that by me, I, I would have had some notes. Yes. Well, that's okay. Yes. This, we weren't asked, so we just have to. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> but anyway, we, after seeing the movie, and this had been sort of a half-baked episode idea previously, but after seeing the movie, we were like, wow, I can relate, even though I was out, so I wouldn't relate in that sense to Harper. But other than that, like the family dynamic, the um, the town, I know it's set in like Pennsylvania and I'm from North Carolina, but it felt like shot for shot. Like a, uh, it was pretty uncanny how similar that movie was to my experience growing up of like that environment and that town, like going to the country club. Oh my gosh. And, and for me as someone who met Lizzie's family and like saw Lizzie's hometown as an outsider to this entire world. I kept looking over at Lizzie for the whole movie being like, oh my gosh, I was just nudging her being like, that's crazy. That's you were crazy. like, that's exactly that's, like Raleigh. Yeah, it, I, I, I really identified with the character of Kristen Stewart. But I want to be clear that Lizzie is nothing like the character of Harper. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in that movie, although I remember like feeling that same sort of um, just fish out of water, mm-hmm. I guess, in a way that I don't really feel now because I feel like I understand Raleigh and I understand the environment. But for a while, there was absolutely a culture shock because I grew up in a totally different environment. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to compare your yeah. Raleigh experience well, to. Let's go into our hometowns then to start the episode, to start the substance of the episode. we The meat and potatoes. Yeah, exactly. Well, before so, we do that, can mm-hmm. I can I make a, a little request though? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do this. All right. Um, Hello. I came out with a new song this week. It's called Jesus from Texas, and I would love for you to listen to it. It's available now on all streaming platforms. If you didn't know, my artist name is Semler. That's just my middle name, S-E-M-L-E-R. And to give you a a little amuse-bouche of the song, here's a snippet of Jesus from Texas. I grew up a preacher's kid cleaning up after communion. I know that a church is not a way to live It's a weekly reunion My best friend found God So we lost touch I guess the Savior beats a friend Who thinks you're good enough I hope she finds love in Kid comes out, I hope that she calls me. 
It's such a good song. I definitely hope everyone checks it out if they Thank haven't you. already because I love it. And I love all your songs, but there's ones that hit different, and that's <laughs> one of them. Nice. Okay, so let's talk about our hometown coming out experiences. Yes. So You should go first. You've got more to say. You think I should go first? Oh, yeah. But we were just talking about Raleigh. Well, d- okay. dig in. All right. I so, think you were saying that how it related to Happiest Season. Yeah. But you can you – can, you can don't be shy. You can reveal a bit more. <laughs> okay, well, I do have a few things to say. Uh, okay, where to begin? So let me back up and say that I am born and raised in Raleigh, North Carolina. Grace is from Belgium, as we'll get to. So very, very different experiences and cultures growing up. But I feel like I need to say at the beginning, because I'm just gonna I don't have any notes on what I want to say about Raleigh because I just wanna like say it off the cuff and from the heart. Even though I might be kind of like raw and honest about some experiences growing up, I definitely do not hate Raleigh or anything like that. And in fact, I know that we have a lot of listeners who live there now. Mm-hmm. And actually, at least one of the store the coming out stories that I'm going to read later is about someone who grew up somewhere else and now moved to Raleigh and is like thriving and loving it. Amazing. After having a difficult coming out elsewhere. It's not really about the place. It's about the very specific like environment and circle mm-hmm. that I grew up in, which I highly doubt is even similar to anyone else's experience if they live there now because it was just like a unique little microcosm well just from as an outsider who has heard your story Mm -hmm. um it almost is like raleigh as the location is is not like what someone might be thinking of as just like the the city of raleigh it's more of a character in your story like when we say raleigh it's like i think of almost like this person Mm -hmm. who kind of like is along for the ride. Yeah. It's really the, it is more of the environment rather than like the specific um, geographic location of Raleigh, North Carolina. So with that in mind, do tell. (laughs) Okay. In episode number eight, um, which was about pronouns and coming out, I talked a little bit about coming out in high school, somewhat being outed and being talked about in high school. And I have an update to that story that is actually a nice way to begin my Raleigh story. You do? I do. After episode eight, where we talked, I talked a little bit about like my high school and just like sort of being forced out in this small conservative environment. I got an insider tip and I'm not going to reveal my source Mm -hmm. because that is between me and this person. But in the episode, I talked about how it felt like everyone was talking about me. But then after the fact, I have been kind of like, oh, I'm being a little self-centered. Like Mm -hmm. I was the farthest thing from cool in high school. And so I highly doubt that anyone cared that much about me, about this gossip about me. And so probably like no one was talking about me. Well, (laughs) I have confirmation. So 
after that episode, it's been 15 years, and this cold case was cracked back open because <laughs> I... cold case. So again, not going to reveal my source, but someone who didn't even go to my high school in Raleigh, different high school, confirmed to me, yeah, everyone in town was talking about you. Oh my god! Everyone at this other high school was even talking about you, and they didn't even know you, and they were all talking about the big homo that you were <laughs> and it was like uh i think when you found this out you kind of were relieved yes that's what i was about because to i say. think you'd been sort of gaslit yes in, i have been so gaslit yeah in in like implicit ways over the years mm-hmm. that like everyone because now everyone's cool like no come on like we love pride like, i know love is love like we would never not me like i would definitely not gossip about a gay girl and then it's just you know it got confirmed yes, for you that I'm indeed like, people were well and i know that it's true because this person again didn't even go to my high school so i'm like how would you know that people were like talking about me unless it was actually why the, the word enough. said were that they had heard about that there was a gay girl at St. or something like that you should bleep out the name oh should i not say St. well i think it's more dramatic if we say the name but we bleep it out it's like <laughs> why do we want this to be more dramatic because lizzie's like because it's my because story. it's my story and i live for the drama i'm a gemini <laughs> this is your page of the burn book everyone's the main character in their own story so maybe people didn't actually care that much but for me being the main character in my story and I'm 15 and I'm now 15 years later, I'm almost 30, learning that everyone in other schools that I didn't mm-hmm. even go to were talking about me being gay. Like, And I kind of knew that at the time, but I just didn't have confirmation. It was kind of traumatic, to be oh honest. Gosh, like, yeah. I don't use that that lightly, but I just feel like my high school life and like that was the last time that I really lived in Raleigh because I moved away to go to college when I was 18. But like my life in high school and coming out and just navigating like things that I was still so confused about. And while in the midst of me being confused and figuring things out, everyone's talking about me Mm -hmm. and like, it's not in a good way. Well, there's also something that I've observed about Raleigh culture too, which is almost contradictory, which is everyone's talking about you, but no one wants to talk about it to you. Yeah, that's so true. And I still think that that is kind of a a problem within those circles, which is that there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable that are just not spoken about, but are very clearly happening and are perhaps even being gossiped about. Mm -hmm. And that I think for me was like hard to adjust to was just sort of the there's certain topics that like you just don't even touch. And that's so weird because I was raised in, and I'm not saying that like one environment is different Mm -hmm. or one environment is better at all, but the environment that I was raised in, there's like, unfortunately nothing's off limits to talk Mm -hmm. about. And so that also led to a lot of, you know, disagreements and upset, but at least like everyone knew where they stood. And I think it's weird to like enter a room where you just don't know like where you stand with people. Again, I don't hate Raleigh. I don't hate I kind of do. But I'm sorry. I don't hate people who went to that school, but I do hate the school. You like, didn't have a good experience. I had a it's hor- okay. I had a horrible experience. We're grown-ups. You can say and, this like, now. You don't I have would... to protect people that made your life yeah. hard. Yeah, I guess that's true. Anyway, so I'm, like, getting heated now. And here's why. The reason why I'm, like, still mad about all this is because it was such – okay, you know the, like, 
Jane Lynch meme from Glee that's like, (laughs) I am going to create an environment that is so toxic. Okay, so for me, it was like this school and this like culture that I was immersed in in Raleigh, like created this environment that was so toxic that I, not even in a sad way, just in a matter of fact way, I was just like, oh, I'm so weird. Like I'm just like kind of not as worthy of like all the happy things in life. Mm. And but it wasn't even like and I'm sad about that. It was just more of an observation. I was like, okay, everyone like thinks I'm weird. I definitely feel excluded like all the time and everyone's talking about me, but no one will admit it and no one will say say it to my face. And I know that now because I have confirmation. (laughs) So if you're listening and you like went to my school and you're like, no, everyone wasn't talking about you. Yes, they were. Because I know now I have. Don't lie to me anymore. Don't lie to me anymore. I've been gaslit my entire life on this. So anyway, I just felt like, oh my God, like no one's weirder than me. (laughs) Like no one's less deserving of like a happy ending than me. I wouldn't say I was like depressed and I like thought this. It was just sort of like, Well, I remember when I was little, too, I used to think that I could enter a contest to be the ugliest girl in the world. Lady. And win. Lady. Yeah. You've never told me that. (laughs) But none of this stuff was sad. It was just kind of like... Oh, my god, My, like, ego was not very inflated. I just felt like... That makes me really sad. I used to... I remember looking in the mirror and, like, kind of being like, I wonder if I... If at the state fair or something, there was a contest for, like, ugliest girl, if I could win. You've never told me that. (laughs) I'm genuinely laughing about this. Like, it's not sad to me. This is, like... This breaks my heart. (laughs) I had no idea. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And it was... No, it's it's fine. And it was... It's not... No, no. Listen, though, for a minute. It's actually not fine. It's, like, not fine that you ever were made to feel that way. You know, I think that now you've grown up enough and we've created a life for ourselves that we can cope with these things and a coping mechanism is always humor, but it's actually not fine that you were made to feel that way because of your environment. Me thinking that I was the ugliest girl in the world was literally just looking in the mirror, but... Lady, (laughs) stop! I'm just saying, no, like, I just didn't, I just thought, like, in elementary school, people would be like, you're ugly. What? We're having a lot of reveals on this episode. I didn't know that I never told you about this. You never told me about this before. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Well, anyway, it's fine. But basically, so then in high school, I had kind of... Listen, we don't need to ruminate on this, but I think it's important that that feeling is not fine. You know, we don't need to dive into this if you Mm -hmm. don't want to on the podcast, but... It's actually not fine. Okay, but I'm just saying, okay, I'm fine now. You, there you go. Yeah. You are fine now. Totally. You healed and I feel like it, that, but it's, it's like, not okay that anyone ever made you feel that way, that you could look in the mirror and think that of yourself. Okay. Well, thank you. I love you very much. I love you too. Okay. So then, okay, so I obviously didn't have like a huge self-esteem or anything from a young age because, yeah, in elementary school, people used to be like, how can you be so ugly at such what? a young age? <laughs> anyway, so then oh in high school being gay and that spreading around it was just kind of like oh i i'm just not on the same level of uh, as other people who you know have like exciting things happen in their life and who um like have hopes and dreams and like who have crushes that are reciprocated and things like that for that reason i'm still mad at and at my life at like i still do have bitterness that i obviously need to work through because I actually don't think that anymore. Like, 
that I'm not worthy, I do no, think I am. We have pump up talks before we go to Raleigh, which we obviously are not traveling right now. But in the past, we've been like, we are cool. Yeah, we have to like don't pep talk let ourselves. that circle think like make us feel like we are weird. Because I remember there there was an occasion when I went back to Raleigh where um I did like I had kind of a panic attack privately to Lizzie, where I was just like, I feel so weird, and I was. I was feeling that way because I was trying to blend in and I actually have really sort of turned a corner with my relationship with the the Raleigh circle ever since I've just embraced the fact that I'm never going to fit into that crew, mm-hmm. that group, and that's okay. And I can really have, you know, fulfilling relationships if I just try to not blend in there. <laughs> like we've sort of developed our own strategies, I think, to going yeah. back to Raleigh. And and one of them is just being like, don't don't let them get in your head. Like we yeah. are cool. We are individuals. They're, we're not weird. There's nothing weird about us. I mean there there is a lot of things that are weird <laughs> about us, but not but not in the way that to feel like an outsider at, yeah. at, at, at like a dinner party or a cocktail event or whatever. We are not the ones that um you know should be feeling strange. It's it's yeah. Other people are weird, not us. (laughs) No, not that. But just to wrap up kind of my hometown homo's story about why I probably, like, can never spend prolonged time in Raleigh again, like, more than a week probably, is that I just still, like, I'm still so bitter because it's almost like this secret that, like, oh, I am, like, just as normal as anyone else and I am worthy of all good things in life was like kept from me. And I feel like once I went to college, I remember like people just like coming up and like wanting to be my friend and talking to me. And I like thought it was like there, I thought there was like a catch. Cause I was like, what? Like, why do people want, like, it just was so foreign to me that I would be considered like just as cool as anyone else. And now Like, I love my life and I've come so far from, like, that extreme lack of confidence. And, like, I live in West Hollywood, which is the antithesis of Raleigh, (laughs) and I love it so much. But I still am just, like, you – this, like, nameless, faceless being that is Raleigh, I'm, like, you tried to take so much from me and you did take so much from me for so long. And – I have only been able to, like, be myself since leaving. And I hate to say that because, again, I know people live in Raleigh and love it. And I think that, like, there are many different sides of Raleigh. I think that Raleigh is a very cool place. The part of it that I grew up in was just really toxic for me. And I feel like I need to stay away in order to keep up this sense of, like, self-worth. I grew up in Waterloo, Belgium. I have complicated feelings when people ask me where I'm from. When I first moved to Los Angeles, when I first like came to the U.S. for college, I would say Belgium. Now I don't have any family that lives there. I don't even really have any friends that live there. I grew up in an international community. I went to an international school. So while my formative years were spent in Belgium... Sadly, like I, I have, I only go back maybe if there's a wedding on the European side once every two or three years back when travel was normal. And even then, you know, we're staying in like a hotel or an Airbnb. So it is my hometown. 
but it's complicated and it, it's hard to explain if you didn't grow up in an international environment where uh, you just kind of don't know where you're from. Like now my parents live in Kentucky. I was born in South Carolina. <laughs> like I don't know exactly where. I think it would depend on who's asking. If someone asks where I'm from, I would say I grew up in Belgium and I live in California because I, I can see us spending probably the majority of our lives in California. We love our community here in West Hollywood, our neighborhood. We're really tight with the people around here. So that's where I would say I was from. Belgium, if you didn't know, was one of the first countries to legalize same-sex marriage. Belgium in general is a pretty secular country. So even though there is still homophobia on like a social level and on like a micro level, culturally, wherever you go pretty much, Belgium was a pretty good spot to grow up in. My dad is an Episcopal priest, and the Episcopal denomination has been affirming for quite some time. So I have early memories of gay people serving in our church environment, um, which was great. But even that didn't spare me from other cultural um, inserts of homophobia and transphobia and all that stuff from youth groups and things like that. Coming out for me was definitely more complicated than Lizzie because I was able to keep my secret for kind of as long as I wanted to. I came out to different people at different times. And I remember early on, I think, I think I, I don't know if I'd come out to anyone yet, but there was a girl on my basketball team who had a girlfriend and they just like loved each other and they were really sweet and they were totally open. Like I remember they like expressed like crushes on each other. And then she just started coming to games and then they were just like dating. And like, I don't remember anyone. This was on my Belgian club team for the record, not on the, at the St. John's team. Cause I'm sure like if someone from the team is listening to me, like Grace, you were on the basketball team. Like who, who <laughs> you were the gay, you were the gay on the basketball team. No, um, it was on my Belgian club team. I was probably like 15 or something. And I just remember seeing this like openly queer relationship that seemed pretty, you know, healthy for, high school standards that I just thought was so cool and like groundbreaking. Did you feel like there was a difference between like people you came out to who were Belgian versus like other? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Versus American. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that I was introduced to like the the gay lifestyle. I was introduced to the gay lifestyle (laughs) (laughs) Um, on my basketball team. No, I wasn't. I was introduced to that sort of American brand of Christian homophobia when there were these young life guys that came over from the U.S. to do like mission trips and whatever in Belgium. I didn't and know you had a brush with young life. Yeah. Oh, so God. they they had like a venture or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they do, but they had like, um I don't know, they were commissioned to like save the youths of Belgium <laughs> or something. And there were these two American guys um, and they were just every stereotype of like a youth minister. I just want you to think of like they got the goatee, they had like the jeans with like the Converse sneakers, where it's like, uh, hey kids, like you know it's tight, the Lord, He'll never leave you. He's always tight with you, like things like that. And they would have these like breakfasts on Wednesday mornings. I think mm-hmm. you'd have to wake up at like six a.m. to go to these like shitty prayer breakfasts or whatever. And I remember that it was so different from the youth group at my church. So remember, my dad's church was affirming, do I think they could have done more to be like 
outwardly affirming. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I think that my dad was just sort of wanting to not make it an issue because he's never viewed being gay as an issue. So he was like, oh, we'll just include people. And then there you go. People will see by example, Mm -hmm. you know, we're treating everyone the same. But I do think that, you know, they probably could have done more for inclusion and just visibility. So there was that end of it. And then there was like the Young Life team that just like blew in when I was like a sophomore in high school. And somehow they roped in like the most popular kids to go to these breakfasts and you'd go and mostly just to be like see and be seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all the cool kids were going mm-hmm. to this like American youth breakfast. Oh God. Um, and they would have these like, I don't know, just these like kind of like toxic Bible studies and prayer. There were so there were so many gay jokes. Like it's really? all coming back to me now. Yeah, these guys sucked. There were so many just like like homophobia was just like a fun one of the, punch line, one the, of the many dishes that they served at their bad breakfasts. And they would just it was worse for the guys, I know, like because it was two guys leading it. So guys at that age, because the youth ministers are trying to like fit in with 16 year olds, which like I cannot relate. Like why? <laughs> These are men in their 30s and they're trying to be like, what's up, youths? I'm like, please stop. Um, But they would always just like mess with the guys about like gay stuff mm-hmm. in like jokey ways. But you internalize that, you know? So that is when I was introduced to that type of, like, homophobia and how it correlated to religion and faith. But it didn't really, as far as, like, hometown culture, they were very much overwhelmed with, I think, a very secular Belgian culture that we were all living in. That, like, their breakfasts could – there's nothing – that they could have served at those breakfasts <laughs> that would have prevented us from wanting to like go out and explore Brussels and explore, you know, our sexualities and just have fun with each other and community. Like I had a really good high school experience for someone who was mostly in the closet, you know? It's funny because so Grace had, I feel like our high school experiences were like polar opposites because well, we, it's interesting because we both went to, like, a saint-something high school. Yeah. And you'd think that that would make them similar, but they were nothing alike. And to this day, like, I, in my mind, like, went to your high school. Like, I'm yeah. good friends with, like, everyone that Grace is friends with from high school. And, like, we've gotten together for, like, St. John's reunions. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, literally pretend that I went there because it's, like, I think a, other a coping pe- mechanism. <laughs> I think other people pretend that you went there too. I know. Like, I'm just, I've had like, other friends have been like, I would have been really good friends with Lizzie and I know like that's the thing it's kind of like makes me sad in a way just because like there's people from your high school that I've met that like you're still best friends with and I feel like I would have been best friends with and Mm -hmm. like had so many more people in my corner had I gone there but obviously that was on a different continent and I did not have that option to go there yeah so I guess that was sort of my hometown experience was that I grew up in a pretty progressive environment, and while there were um, attempted intrusions from the Young Life folks, I was pretty much spared from dealing with that until I moved to the U.S. for university. I cringe so hard when I look back on my high school years. Like, when I say, like, oh, it was so hard for me, I don't mean that I was, like, this innocent little, like, pitiful person that everyone was mean to. I was so, like, cringe. But I really believe the reason why is because I was not able to have normal formative experiences. I was sneaking around, like, 
you know, hiding in the backs of cars, literally, like being insane because (laughs) I had a huge secret. And even when it wasn't a secret because everyone was talking about it, it was still like I couldn't just be open about it or like whoever I was seeing, it would be a secret for her. And so it was just so – it does such a number on you. And like I didn't realize the damage being done at the time, but it has taken so long to undo it and become like a person that I'm proud of and I'm not proud of – I mean – I was about to say I'm not proud of the person I was in high school. Like, I am because that person had to go through a lot and came out the other side. But, yeah, I feel like being denied, like, normal, open, formative experiences and, like, crushes and dating, it really makes you this weird, cringe person that, like, you're embarrassed of later. Well, I think also it sort of teaches you that there is comfort in secrets, yeah. which I don't think is always true. I don't think I'm it's not true saying, at all. Well, I, I don't know. Sometimes like a, a secret between, like a fun secret between two best friends okay. is like kind of fun. I'm not saying that there can never be comfort in secrets, mm-hmm. but when it comes to like coming out and being your authentic self, I have not found that to be true. Yeah. And so I think it, it sort of teaches you a bad skill keeping a secret as a as a mode of survival yeah rather than like being honest and asking for help and connection as a mode of survival I didn't realize how uh, how much we had to say about I this. I was like, oh, we'll just like touch on our hometowns briefly and then keep it moving. Didn't know that I was going to talk about young life. Didn't know this was going to be a young life diss track, but here you go. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> I, I do not care. Okay, I do want to give a disclaimer that yeah. this next part... I asked for people, we both asked on our Instagram stories, like, hey, send us a little tidbit about your hometown and what it was like to come out there or to feel different there in some way. And I guess I should have known that that would bring up some tough stories. Mm. And But it, yeah, I wasn't totally prepared for how sad some of them are. I think we were coming out of watching The Happiest Season. We're like, did you have any weird orphan stories? Yeah, like like Kristen Stewart. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't a fully baked idea. Um, but I actually think it's, it's sometimes nice to share our stories and know how not alone we are. Yes. So that's kind of the, the goal for this episode. We're going to be reading some of your stories and some of them are a little heavy and some of them are a lot heavy. So if that's not something you're ready to listen to this afternoon, then we'll see you on another episode. Okay, so here's one submission that I received about hometown homos. This person says, I was born and raised in Frisco, Texas. I met my best friend and eventual first girlfriend at 13. So cute. We were the only lesbians in our high school, but we had a supportive friend group. She turned out to be a not-so-great girlfriend in the end. That happens. But that relationship was so, so important to me realizing my sexuality and embracing it. Mm -hmm. We came out to each other freshman year of high school two days apart. Her first and me following. Wow. The drama. Like, at the time, that would have been, like, earth-shattering. It's the best show on TV. Yeah. Uh, And they spent the rest of high school dating on and off. My family is extremely conservative, homophobic, and all of the other unfortunate phobics as well. When I came out to my mom, I was 15, vulnerable, and so hopeful. I chose to tell her in a public coffee shop to hopefully make less of a scene. She turned to me, looked me in the eyes, and said, No, you're not. We're never talking about this again. I'm 20 now, I live in Brooklyn, and I'm living my own little queer life. Aww. Eh. That has a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'm going to read this next one that I got via email, and it's kind of long, so I might have to skip over a couple parts just so it can fit in the episode, but I did want to share it. Okay, so don't read over my shoulder. I won't. Okay. Okay, so this person says, I grew up in a small town in Utah, which famously has a high population of Mormons, the religion I grew up in, and one that is heavily anti-LGBTQ+. I'm bisexual, which I honestly hadn't heard of as a label growing up. So since I liked boys, I just assumed I was straight and that all straight girls must also be excited by boobs and wanted to <laughs> secretly kiss each other. But none of us were talking. <laughs> none of us were talking about it. A mother of one of their friends explained what bi meant. And then they were like encouraged like, oh, that's an option, basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, it says... One night, I was praying that the thoughts would go away, like about not being straight, and then it was just a phase. I became overwhelmed with a very deep peace and love for myself. Mm. I knew whatever... Why am I getting emotional? I knew whatever God is out there wants me to have for myself. I cried out of joy for finding my truth and for having the most spiritual experience I've ever had in my life. (sighs) Okay, so... They say, over the next few days, I was crying because I knew I had to be brave. I had to stay true to myself and to leave the faith I thought I'd have forever. Um, knowing the secret came out to one of my closest friends. She came out to me, and we soon began dating in secret. What They came out to each other, like, mm-hmm. at the same – wow. Yeah, and then her mom found out, basically forced her out of the closet. Um, initially, the mom was scared and unsupportive, but over time became more than accepting. She even went to Pride with me last year, which I never would have imagined possible. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> crying at this and i'm so grateful for the growth we've both been able to have because of me being brave enough to speak my truth um okay so then she came out publicly on social media um and then oh i can relate to this one of my close friends who was forced to continue going to church uh told me about how people in our congregation were spreading the word about me telling (laughs) telling each other not to let their kids hang out with me anymore her own mother had taken her phone to delete my number oh my gosh and then um she says i lost nearly all of the friends i had growing up and had to start from scratch which was deeply devastating at the time no kidding but now looking at my life at 24 years old i'm so grateful that i lost them and found a family in this small town of mine I'm like crying so much reading this. I'm surrounded by the best, most uplifting people who are also brave enough to be themselves. And we are a community who gives each other unconditional love and strength. And every day I thank myself for being brave enough to love and live fully. I think that if life is a test, it's not a test of if you are blindly adhering to rules you were taught as a kid. I think it's questioning deeply and finding your own truth so you can grow to love as deeply as possible and live the richest life you can. That is beautiful. Thank, thank you so much for sharing that. that. Thank really... you to everyone that sent in stories, by the way. We can't read all of them just for time, but oh like a lot of them have had me in tears. I would just like to say to also the person who sent that in, you really have a, a gift for storytelling. Yeah. Um, I think Lizzie and I are both kind of choked up at hearing your words. So thank you so much for writing in and sharing your experience because, wow, that's going to sit with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Darling, I know that you're nervous But trust you've got time on your side And you are so young Here's one that's a little different. It's not quite the same, like, Southern or Mormon kind of, like, environment, but it's unique in its own way. Mm -hmm. So this person says, Hi, I grew up in Princeton, New Jersey, and it's actually a really odd environment because it's so diverse but actually really segregated. 
So my graduating class in high school was 70% South and East Asian, 20% white, and 10% basically every other race. But within the high school, people didn't really integrate as much as you would expect. It was also a really toxically high-pressure environment that kind of tied your self-worth to test scores or how many AP classes you were in. Mm. So I'm gay, and it was an odd environment to kind of just feel gay because it's not like any sexuality was blatantly unaccepted, but anyone who was part of the LGBTQ community was definitely talked about, and there was a stigma of pseudo-weirdness surrounding being gay. So honestly, I've never even felt like it was an option to explore my sexuality, which wasn't something I ended up doing until college, where I am now. Because everyone was just always in everyone else's business. Okay, here's another one. I grew up in California, so you'd think it'd be liberal, but I'm from Fresno. Anything Central California is basically Texas. Some tidbits about realizing my bisexuality in Fresno. I had never met a queer person older than me until I moved to the East Coast for grad school. I was raised Southern Baptist, so queer people were not in my community, and I was taught it was a sin. Also, my parents never flat out said gay people are bad people, but I was told to not hang around certain people who happen to be gay, and also shows and movies featuring LGBTQ characters such as Milk were, quote, really bad, with no explanation as to why. I can definitely relate to that. It's like, okay, just say it. Say why. Um, Maybe more specific to Fresno, it's a big city, but as a small town feel, there's like two degrees of separation between everyone. So when I came out on social media, I gained about 10 new followers that day the other gays <laughs> they found she didn't say that but yeah. i'm just guessing i also lost another 60 or so followers that would be honestly really That's heartbreaking hard. like 60 people just like not even wanting to look at your posts anymore who you presumably know mm. is really sad the one good thing about that is i only had to come out on social media to my few friends acquaintances and now everyone in my hometown knows after i told my family in person of course So that is an interesting coming out story on social media. I mean, I said this in our coming out episode, but I think you should come out any way you want. And if the least painless way is like over text message or social media, then go for it because it doesn't have – you don't owe people like a whole dramatic thing. I imagine that must have been very telling and hard to lose a bunch of people who had been following you, but also to gain a few new followers. I'm like – Hey, (laughs) these are my people. (laughs) That is true. I mean, I do think that people come out of the woodwork to support you. And it's always people who will surprise you. Mm -hmm. I mean, some that you've sort of banked on. But it it is really cool when someone that you hadn't even considered is just like, hey, I'm here. I support you. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to close out on something a little lighter. We absolutely love hearing all the stories of people's hometowns and where they had to come out. Um, But it's heavy. It's all Mm -hmm. heavy. I mean, that's one common thread is there's no matter where you live in the world, you probably had to go through something a bit hard if you had to come out. Um, And so that's kind of both comforting and also a little. We're all in it together and it's And it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. But, okay, so in our pronouns and coming out episode, I think it was that one, we said, by the way, if anyone has had a coming out party, we want to hear about it. Yes. And I actually got a couple of um, messages about it. And by the way, messages are still open. I want to hear everything about coming out parties. So keep them coming. But these are a couple that I really, really loved and I wanted to share. Um, Okay, so one of them said... OMG, this podcast, I'm truly obsessed. Aw, thanks. Mm. And then she says... Rate, review, and subscribe. (laughs) And then she says, 
And I had a coming out party in college. My pledge sisters and my sorority threw me a coming out party where I entered said party by walking down the stairs to Diana Ross. I'm coming out while wearing a a pageant style rainbow sash. Oh my God. I love it. This is the other story. Um, Okay, so this person says, I had a coming out party. I was listening to the pronouns of coming out episode of Under Our Roof and I was told to tell you my coming out party story. So here goes. It was in my first year of college. Going into college, I swore to myself that I would keep my sexuality a secret because I was outed and then bullied pretty badly in high school. Wow, I'm so sorry. But I eventually formed this incredible friend group that rallied around me when someone close to me passed away. They were so supportive of me, I knew they had progressive opinions, and I felt like I was doing our friendship an injustice by not coming out to them. I came out to one of the five friends late late one night, and she was, and still is, 100% accepting of the fact that I'm a lesbian. I told her I wanted to tell the others in our little friend group, and we planned for all of us to get to dinner the next to go to dinner the next day. The next day, however, my friend invited us all to her dorm room, which was decorated in rainbow washing tape. She organized drinks and pizza and played Katy Perry's "I Kissed a Girl," <laughs> then asked me if I had something to say. I said it. Then she handed me one of those signs that pregnant people hold up at gender reveals. It said, "It's a girl." <laughs> it said, "It's a girl," and my friend wrote, "Who likes girls?" in pen underneath. <laughs> everyone so sweet i know everyone was wonderful about it i really have lucked out in the friend department i'm still closeted for the most part and i'm sure i'll still have a lot of coming out to do for the rest of my life but i don't think any of my coming outs will be as magical as this one no that is so sweet the rainbow washi tape the i kissed a girl yeah (laughs) amazing i like that we're ending on stories like that that are really uplifting because i think something that we talked about in the pronouns and coming out episode was that I just wish for everyone who has the experience of coming out, knowing that it's a lifelong journey, that at least one of those doors that you walk through is celebratory. Yes. Knowing that there are going to be other closets to come out of that will be hard, perhaps, or awkward, or I don't know, just emotional, fraught, whatever. So long as one of those doors is walking into a party where you just feel totally loved and supported by people who think you are cool as hell, that's what we want. I think that I'm right now going to make it a life bucket list goal. We talked about our life bucket lists in one of the first episodes. Mm -hmm. I have a new life bucket list. I want to throw somebody a coming out party. (gasps) I really want to. Whether it's like you're such a good party planner too. <laughs> I love throwing parties. I've thrown surprise parties. I've... Can I be the MC? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course. Please, someone let us throw you a coming out party. Please, yeah. Listen, if you live in the area and you plan on coming out when it is safe to do so, when it's not a pandemic, the DMs are open. Well, it's always safe to come out. Well, hopefully, but I mean, like a party yeah. is not safe yes. right now. Yes. Yes. Let the DMs are open. DMs are open. You have, I mean, an expert party planner here and also me. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Hometown Homos. Keep writing to us if you are wanting to share your story. We love hearing from you. We love sharing these stories and finding these points of connection. You can write to us at underourroofpod at gmail.com, or you can just slide on into those DMs. We have our social medias linked in the show notes. If you're enjoying this podcast, we're so happy that you are. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us grow. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Under Our Roof. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. So come here, my darling. Come here, my girl. I'm flawed and I'm broken 